Underground. Episode 161, or is this 160.5? How are we going to handle these phoner episodes when we do them? Is, do they just get a number? I, I think like for this one, it should just be 161. I mean, because it's pretty yeah. pretty topical and there's enough to talk about. But if there's anything that's like just a quick thing that we're just doing, those little shorter ones probably would be the 0.5s. Right. You know, I think the reason why the Batman versus Superman one was a 0.5 was because we had already... We had already recorded the ones around it. <laughs> right, right, definitely. And we had, had to, we had to, to slot it in between two existing episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If anyone's out there listening, they they can hear both from probably the recording quality and also just the general slightly sleepier tone of this episode thus far. That this is another episode where we are in different remote locations, mm. uh, getting in a getting in a quick episode of movie schmovie before bedtime. I'm um, John. I'm Ryan. And hey, I'm Steve. And hey, hey! I like that addition. Thanks, man. It's uh, it's episode one sixty one of Movie Schmovie. This is pretty awesome. It is. Yes, it, it is. is. And it's definitely a, a worthy cause for us to join our powers together to discuss uh, two mighty, mighty things. I think one, one on a mm-hmm. smaller local scale, and one on a, <laughs> a pretty massive uh, Hollywood blockbuster scale. Oh, Which yeah. surely this is about to be a world dominating blockbuster, right? Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely, yeah. Captain America Civil War is going to completely blow the doors off theaters this weekend. And, uh, you know, we, we were, we're recording this obviously prior uh, to Friday, but, but even what it's done internationally already is absolutely amazing. Like, I think it's like in the mid-200s millions already, and it's not even open you know, it's not open in every territory internationally yet, not just mentioning the United States, but like some of the larger territories internationally, like Japan, Russia, like some of the markets it hasn't even opened in. So right. it's it's going to be, you know, it's exciting because like, you know, especially in the wake of like something like you just wait and see what happens like after Batman versus Superman. I'm just, you know, it, I, I'm always like really in tune to like these numbers. I know it's not like always a numbers game, but just like the way they handle these products Mm-hmm. Like, you know, something speaks for the way that Disney and Marvel have handled all of these, you know, phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I, I just I can't help but like look at what Warner Brothers is doing and, and try to, you know, like look at it and see like what 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 it is versus their product. And, you know, this is like everyone's so excited for Civil War and uh, and yeah, it's, and it delivers. In yeah, every in every respect, in every respect, yeah, absolutely. The whole idea we were talking about that a movie has enough to follow through, you know, the initial hype of it, um, right? It's 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 really very indicative of the quality of this movie. You know, uh, Batman versus Superman had all the parts that could have made tons and tons of money, but after the hype died down, and then it's just word of mouth. People talking about the quality of the movie, it died down. And this is not going to be one of those movies. Once it picks up that how good it is, I think we're going to get something even crazier. We're going to get like, we already have like the diehard comic book fans, the people that are casually into it. And then we're going to get 
something a little extra, which is like the people that have no interest in comic book movies, but you see so many cool things, moving parts in this movie. Right. And the introduction of a brand new superhero that we haven't seen on screen before is going to change a bunch. And I think it's going to make even more money. So it's like three layers of, of viewer that's going to come into it. Like the, the fan, the casual fan, and the super casual fan. <laughs> And it's gonna it's it's gonna equal tons of money for Marvel Disney. So it, it is like like three levels. It's like it's like the comic fan, the movie mm. fan, and then just the fan of like the event type film. Right. You know, exactly. it's like the thing that's so big that you you can't not see it. And that's you know it's 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 in that category for sure. Mm. Um, I, I was gonna just suggest um I know we wanted to talk a little bit about the the Maryland Film Festival before we get too deep into the gut of this episode. So. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Um, the, this weekend is the annual Maryland Film Festival here in Baltimore, Maryland. It takes place at a number of venues downtown. Um, at the time of recording this, obviously, we haven't seen any of the films, but I know that the three of us have kind of went over the schedule, the, the you know, the, the films that are being offered this year. And I think, I, I, you know, to talk about a couple films that we're looking forward to seeing, and then, you know, we'll kind of come back around next week and... Uh, get together and talk about those movies so i mean after looking at what they announced last week what what are you guys seeing that you know kind of stands out to you or that you have on your on your personal schedules to be sure to check out while this is going on Um, well i i haven't like justified or tried to reconcile my um my hopeful list with the actual calendar and what times I might be available. <laughs> and I also know that, that sometime this weekend I'm going to be uh, going to see Civil War uh, with, my, with my wife and kid. And, you know, so that's, that's a priority, too. So sure, Maryland sure. Film Festival and, and Big Tentpole Blockbuster are going to get, get uh, their fair shake this weekend. But So, so these are, I have a few movies in no particular order that I'm curious about. Um, I don't know if you guys want to kind of just go around or if you just want to name a few. But... Um, there's a movie called Do Not Resist, directed by Craig Atkinson, which is a documentary about kind of pushing off from all the recent protests uh, that uh, that occurred as a result of, like, the events in Ferguson and Baltimore and a lot of other cities where there's this police brutality question. And, and the documentary Do Not Resist seems to be about the, it says, the flow of large quantities of military equipment and weaponry to local police forces. And it refers to it as a jaw-dropping documentary that probes a disturbing nationwide trend, one with high financial stakes and powerful interests at its core. So that just sounds like one of those, uh, I, I realize that it's like a sep- special uh, subgenre if you, if you go to film festivals, the depressing or scary or otherwise disturbing documentary. And I feel like this sounds like a, a pretty interesting one. Oh, cool. Yeah, definitely. I have that on my uh, on my list to check out for sure. Um, one of the ones that I've been, I was really excited to see they announced was um, a movie called Always Shine from uh, Sophia Tikal. My my friend that lives up in New York who actually works in the industry had been like raving about this film after seeing it out. Uh, I think it was Tribeca recently, but it's basically a Mackenzie Davis who I feel like she's kind of popped up more recently. She was like in the I think she was in the Martian. And she's on that mm-hmm. she's on that television series with uh, with Lee Pace about the computer technicians like in the 80s. Do you do you guys know what I'm talking about? Um, no, no. Ha- is it Halt and Catch Fire? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So she she I don't know, but apparently th- th- this movie's basically like just about these two friends who are actresses who take this. You know, two wildly different people take this trip to like Big Sur together, and it's just like one of these, you know 
isolation experiences where like every unresolved tension in the relationship just kind of comes to a head and apparently it's just like a really great uh character study it's a pretty crazy movie i think one of them actually won like a best actress prize at tribeca for the film and it's like i think i picked up i want to say it got picked up by a24 i might be just wishful thinking but uh i, I want to <laughs> say it definitely got picked up at the festival and it's got a uh, like a wider release coming out soon so it's pretty great that it's going to be at the festival this weekend no, I, I had Always Shine on my list, too, Steve. Man, we are so in sync. It's, I think it's going to be funny if we have the text in front of us, because we probably all pulled from the same source. Yeah. To, he- to hear the other ones try to describe the film we haven't seen, not using the exact words that the other guys have already read about this <laughs> right. film. Because I was prepared for you to say that it was a feminist psychological thriller following two L.A. actresses on a weekend <laughs> sojourn to Big Sur that takes a dark turn. <laughs> I tried to mix it up, John. I like give me some credit. I know man. you did. Well, I mean, you should have seen if you read the "Do Not Resist" description yeah, and then that. listened to what I said about it, you would yeah. see that every phrase was me trying not to repeat. That. Yeah, like I, 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 I remember reading that, and it was like the the whole militarization. I was like, John yeah. got that from the festival site. I like it. No, one, the, once I, I finally gave up and started quoting, but uh, yeah, that, yeah, the, you know, yeah. you, you already mentioned it. We have no information on these movies except that they sound interesting to us. And I also oh, tried to pick movies that sort of hit a certain spot for me at film festivals so it's like certain types of films you feel like if you don't see them in in this environment you may never see them or you may never know how good they are yeah definitely what about you ronald um definitely the closing night movie hunter gathering uh with andre royal uh the story of a guy that did some time for a crime and is living with his mom and gets into a weird business that they're not really describing and i also didn't watch the trailer but i've been seeing stills and i'm interested um what else uh the fits which is about coming of age stuff about kids that are boxing so i'm I'm always interested in kid documentaries i think i want to watch all the trailers before i decide on anything but yeah i'd like for us to see something together hopefully but those are the ones that stand out in my mind right now but yeah there'll be more there there will be many more there's there's also one called um the Love Witch, oh, which yeah, uh, yeah. it says uh, it's a modern spin on 1960s Technicolor thrillers centered on a beautiful young witch with an itch to kill. Nice. Uh, it just, you know, <laughs> could be a lot of fun. So that's The Love Witch directed by Anna Biller. Yeah, one of the other ones I had was, um, I think I'm going to see this one. I want to say Friday night or Thursday night. It's um, it's called Under the Shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an Iranian film, I believe. It's uh, basically, it's a, a horror film, pretty much. Like basically, this family is uh, basically trying to like hide out during like an attack or a, a, bo- a missile strike or a bombing in their apartment. <laughs> you complex. would say a, a missile hits their apartment building. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I would say when an <laughs> unexploded missile hits their apartment building, it's something along those lines. Yeah. Does tension turn to terror in this fresh and inventive yeah, horror film? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I was thinking the same exact way of explaining it. Um, I don't know. It just sounds creepy. I don't know. I, I like the idea about like the fam- the mother becomes convinced that it's like unleashed some sort of spirit. Um, but in their description, they like all the all the films that they kind of exp- like kind of compare it to rather, um, like mentioning Babadook and a girl walks home alone at night and even a separation, which is an incredible movie. If, if either of you guys haven't seen it, I'm not sure, but just the way that they've com- compared the film and 
reading some of the reviews for it, um, it sounds awesome, and I love that they're playing it like late. Like I think the show is at like ten thirty or something like that. Oh. So um, that's that's one I'm really looking forward to, especially because they seem to be pretty positive on it. I think the this next movie that I was going to mention is also one that has a couple of late screenings, and it's called The Greasy Strangler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I heard about this. <laughs> it's weird looking, but it seems to be about a guy whose dad. It says that he's grease obsessed, and that he may be going out at night and covering himself with grease and killing people. <laughs> I've gotten the indication that this is a sort of transgressive, kind of uh, extreme, sort of gross-out movie. That yeah. that it's it's referred to as deliciously deranged psychotronic comedy. I don't know if that should mean something to me, but it just sounds to me like one of those crazy <laughs> movies. But a lot of times, that stuff, if it's done with a lot of care, can be can be really hilarious. So so I'm a little afraid of that movie, but I'm also very very curious about it. Sure. And I'm trying to see if there was anything else. I mean, I've, I'm excited about the film High Rise, directed by Ben Wheatley, who's one of my favorite directors, uh, kind of that's bubbling under the surface these days. But that's also already available on demand. Uh, so it's a little bit less of a festival pick. But if I can conveniently go see it and it's yeah. a, it works out for my schedule, I might go see the festival screening of it just to see it with a crowd. Um, but but that, you know, Mike Finazzo, who was on our, our last episode, was kind of mentioning that there's a lot of films that were sort of purchased or sort of sought out by the festival Definitely. this time. And and High Rise feels like one of those. It doesn't really feel like a discovery so much as just a movie that a lot of people might be interested in seeing. So, mm. um, you know, it, it's just a weird coincidence that it's playing at the festival literally a week after it hit on demand, which just takes a little bit of the excitement or the buzz out of it for oh, me. Yeah. But I'll still, I'll still fit it in if Definitely. I can. There's a few others that I'm slightly curious about. I'll just kind of throw out the names. Um, uh, this sounds really sad and depressing, but Lamb, which is a movie about an Ethiopian boy who basically befriends a lamb uh, that he kind of takes in as a pet, and he has to protect it from everyone who wants to kill it and eat it and stuff. Um, so that just sounds horrifying and sad, but it also sounds like it could be one of those you know, uh, life-affirming movies. Uh, and then there's a movie called, um, another uh, disturbing documentary, potentially, called Untouchable, which is sort of a documentary that looks at the... Basically, the, the the prosecution and and incarceration and just the way that our country treats uh, sex offenders. Yeah. And you know, once you've been registered as a sex offender, what that can do to your life. And it's basically saying it's it's taking a look at the really harsh laws out there, and and showing that some it's, as it says here, some measures that may have been intended to protect are uh, themselves obstacles preventing redemption, closure, and functional lives. Uh, for for people, so uh, that sounds like another one that might be kind of unsettling. But uh, you know, again, it's the type of movie you only see on the big screen at a film festival. You can be a sex offender for peeing outside, which is nuts. It's crazy. So I'm super interested in that. And then, last but not least, for me, Hotel Dallas. Did you see this one? Yeah, yeah, that looks so it good. Does. Yeah, it, that's on my list. I like the way that it's a documentary that may be shot in kind of an artful way, but I love those ideas. The premise of this is just that the television show Dallas was broadcast in the 80s in Romania with the intention of making America look really bad and materialistic, but instead it inspired, you know, everybody's fantasies of the American lifestyle and, you know, being like Americans. <laughs> so that kind of like unintended cultural impact by something kind of laughable and dated like an, an 80s primetime soap. That just sounds like yeah. it could be it could be a lot of fun, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that sounds fun. I'm looking at my list. I had um 
a movie. It's like a dark comedy called Donald Cried. That's yeah. on my list. Uh, sounds really the good. The trailer doesn't look like um, much of anything, though. That it's just a clip of dialogue. But I'm I'm super interested. Yeah, that's definitely something. Like, I I've heard about that. I think when it was at South by Southwest, and then they they picked it as one of their like must see movies at the festival. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Just the premise just sounds really good and really interesting. So I'm I'm definitely going to try to check that out. And the last one that I had is like my must sees is. Uh, it's a documentary that is called Life Animated. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds really good. That that just sounds absolutely stunning, and I uh, yeah, just the, the the fact that Disney like it, it's basically about a I think is, is he I'm trying to remember is he all yeah he's autistic, autistic. yeah yeah so like the son you know this one of the sons is autistic and like he basically starts communicating like with the father through like. I think it's Iago from Aladdin and he has his whole means of like using the Disney cartoons and Disney characters, these sidekicks that, to communicate with his family and friend. I mean, it just sounds really, really interesting and completely moving. So I, I, I'm actually, that's like a definite for me as well. Well, that sounds like a good batch of films. You know, I mean, it's always fun and it's always, I'll, I, like I said, I don't know which of these that we've mentioned I may actually manage to see. But um, I know last time I saw six or seven movies, so hopefully this time I can, I can come close to that. But that's a lot of, uh, as we've mentioned before, the way the festival's set up now, that's a lot of driving around and parking and hopping here and there, but um, it's worth it. It's just kind of a busy weekend. Yeah, like mapping out the, it, it's, this is like the negative of like, it, it's, it, it's great that it's all over the place, but it sucks when it's all over the place and like you're literally mm-hmm. bouncing between like a movie that has like a half an hour between the shows and you're like uptown, downtown. It's just, I can only, I'm like getting nervous and anxious just thinking about what parking is going to be like. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. So I guess what we're saying to everyone out there is we're big whiny babies and wish <laughs> us luck. Yep. Thank you. Thank you in advance. <laughs> so let's move on to the uh, crass product of capitalism as opposed to all these well-intentioned art films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These little indie films. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, Captain America Civil War. I think we kind of addressed it at the beginning. We're, we all were very satisfied by this movie, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely satisfied. Yeah, be, beyond beyond satisfied. I was absolutely, uh, it was a blast, and uh, I had a blast even talking to you guys briefly about it after the screening last night. It was that much fun. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Essentially, Captain America is Superman. Oh yeah. In a way, like his mor- his moral compass is kind of what I imagine a Superman movie would be. And it's done through this world and also something I didn't consider until I saw this one. And I kind of figured it out also in Winter Soldier is that this movie might be the through line through the Marvel Universe right now. Like it is it is the solid movie that you that if you think about it, all three have been almost like close to flawless. I don't don't know how you feel about the previous two, but they're they're incredible movies and. There's something about these versus the other Marvel properties that it, the, the attention to detail, the, the tightness of the story, the, the connections that it makes to, to other properties, it's just really solid. And, and, I, and I'm, I don't know, it's, it, it's really impressive. I think we've actually talked about that on the show before, addressing the sort of issues that DC has had trying to establish their 
Superman franchise that we've said Marvel's already doing it, that they're not trying to make, they never tried to make Captain America like a dark version of that. They, 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 they leaned into the, the kind of, uh, what, you know, guy who wants to do what's right. And that's his guiding principle. And what they've done over the course of the three Captain America films is take him through, uh, being kind of the perfect soldier, the big, the Patriot through being the guy who's disillusioned in the winter soldier. And then in, in civil war, the guy who, steps aside and, and makes a decision that puts him at odds with his government that he was trying to serve or trying to correct, you know, up, up until that point. So I think you're right. It's a very clean character arc. And the fact that he's just a good yeah. guy, it, they made it a lot more interesting than I think a lot of people uh, may have expected just to have a hero who is essentially just a good guy. And I feel like I don't want to just beat up on Zack Snyder forever, but Zack Snyder had no confidence in that idea of a hero who was just a good guy and that audiences would be compelled by that. Whereas Marvel was like, no, let's make this guy just a straight arrow because it made his decisions in this movie a lot more interesting, you know, because he arrived at that darkness or he arrived at that, uh, morally ambivalent place or that, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't something that they put in the character from the beginning. And so, yeah, I I think that they, they, I think you're right, Ronald, that with the Captain America films, they have completed a kind of arc that stands out now amongst those other movies. But really, I think the main thing is they took Winter Soldier and they followed it up in a, a, a very cohesive way. And the fact that they had all these other characters coming in and out, it didn't really detract from the main story. It just felt like it took place in a Marvel universe, which is crowded with heroes at this point, you know? I think it. I think it's really cool that they kind of respected each character. Everybody got enough time, and it didn't feel shitty. It didn't feel wasted. Everybody's screen time was effective and pushed the story forward, which is really very rare. Mm-hmm. I I haven't seen a movie up until this point that had as many people in it that was very effective in showing everybody, giving them enough screen time, have them be cool characters and still move the story along in a way that doesn't feel bloated. How the fuck did they do that? How is that possible? It's weird. Well, I mean, let's let's maybe talk about just like what the Russo brothers have done, the guys who... Um, came off of me, you, and Dupree, and uh, or you, me, and Dupree. I guess that rhymes. Whichever, <laughs> which one is it? Does it does it matter? Um, and and we're also guys who worked on Community, the the television show. And even though that show did some interesting things episode to episode, there was no real indication that they were going to suddenly make this leap uh, as they did to uh, what they did with Winter Soldier. But, I mean, have these guys cracked the code or what for how to make these action scenes exciting and visceral and, and like, pulse-pounding, but also fantastic to look at and, and, and like, amazing and full of super crazy stuff that only, you know, super-powered beings <laughs> can do? I found myself after Avengers Age of Ultron, like, I-, I wasn't a big fan of that film. And I remember us talking about it, and, like, I but a big part of me was thinking, like, how could it have been great with all that had to be put into that movie you know like kind of trying to maybe apologize a little bit for joss whedon and you know the task of trying to fit all of those characters all of those whatever personalities all of this screen time in one movie and like i guess it made me feel a little bit differently about it but overall i still was like you know it wasn't what i wanted but then going into this film and seeing what the russo brothers did with civil war um it just made me realize, like I, I, I didn't, I didn't need to think that that was not, 
you know, possible in like a way more effective way because not that this is an Avengers film, but just like kind of Rana was saying for the number of characters that are in it, you don't really feel like any of the screen time for the characters is really wasted. Um, it really plays to every character's strengths and really like kind of goes beyond like their, their, their power, their ability deeper into like their, you know, their emotions, like, you know, their motivations like you you get a real you get a taste of pretty much every person that you see screen time with you you get a taste of like where their moral compass is pointed not just in terms of which side they're on but really in what they say or what they do in this movie so yeah i feel like they found an amazing way to balance this out and i mean to speak to the action point i mean we were talking about this earlier today like I kind of I felt this way about Winter Soldier also like the action in that film just stepped up like a whole other level to me. I remember seeing that one in the theaters and immediately like with that first fight sequence on the boat, like it the action just felt way more combat, way more hands-on, way more like like brutal, hard, rough fighting um where it wasn't just like this, you know, kind of blur across the screen and like, you know, where is who is there and where who's that, you know, like cuz I don't know. It's just like something about the way they shoot these action sequences in this film and, and, and the same thing with this in Civil War, like the first action piece, it sets it sets the, the temperature for what this film's going to feel like. And, and, and with each scene, it like escalates. And you know what I mean? Like it just... It escalates within the scene and within the movie. You're right. Yeah, exactly. And then what happens is that when it gets to the final set piece... Uh, of the movie, it ta- it it brings it down and makes it smaller and more personal and and closer. You know what I mean? Like it, it, the movie blows up in the middle and then tapers back down to this. Um, I don't know. It it just comes back down to this very human conflict uh, between the characters that we've been watching over all these movies. And I think that that's the thing that I felt watching this film that I was sort of not expecting to feel. And it came down to how the performances were all just. I feel like everybody showed up. And it's to what you were saying, Steve, that you get a taste of these characters in a little bit deeper. I feel like everybody showed up and tried to do something awesome in this movie somehow. Like everybody who was on screen was trying to do something awesome with their character and they were given something cool to do. Um, Like Anthony Mackie was great. Don Cheadle. It's like you finally see them making use of some of these really talented actors that they've been putting in these films. But but what I felt in the scenes with um, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans... Um, having these conversations that you would want these characters to be having, you know, yeah, like it's yeah, not just definitely. it's not just empty action. You want to see these characters having these conversations and going back and forth, and you feel the years. And it made me think, well, you know, I don't know when did Iron Man come out? What was it? Two thousand eight? Was it that recently? Oh, y- yeah, actually, I think you're. I think it was two thousand eight. Well, I mean, so it was, you know, eight or nine years ago, something like that, that we started seeing these characters come into being. Yeah. And it made me think like, you know, we, there was a weariness and a history that we've seen play out, whether you've loved them all or not, you've seen it play out. And so that relationship, those conversations, you totally buy into these characters and what their conflicts are because they did a great job of connecting the motivations in this film back through all the other films. Definitely. And it's just like, yeah, they've got this shared history. Of course, this would be something they would talk about. And of course, you would look at this guy and Tony Stark is like a guy who's he's been through some shit. You know what I mean? And we've been through it with him. And I felt that. And I thought that was a really cool 
kind of emotional pivot. I mean, that sense that these guys are both right and there's a conflict between them really was much more palpable for me than I thought it was going to be. That I went kind of, I, I, I could see both sides and I didn't know that I was going to feel that way. Right. I, I agree. What's super interesting about this is the Russo brothers seem like people that love the property, which helps a lot of the dynamic that they create between the characters. So there's something really interesting about the idea that individually each character interacting with each other creates something, a, a different sort of spark. So if Black Panther is interacting with Iron Man is very different than Spider-Man interacting with another character. They're all very unique interactions, even down to the way that they fight each other, using their powers very differently against each person. That yeah. is something that is a little subtle thing that shows you how much thought went into the process of having all these characters work together. And I think that's why Batman versus Superman didn't work. And I hate to go back to it, but the idea that like anybody that loves a property, anybody that understands what makes these characters work, understands why these individual interactions make for very interesting things. So why would Ant-Man and Spider-Man, why would Ant-Man and Spider-Man have a unique interaction? They're, they're both bugs. They both have unique powers that deal with that so if they fought each other or talked to each other or interacted with each other there'd be something like that those team-ups those fights where it's like this character versus this character and there's a fight in the middle of the movie that has lots of different team-ups like that lots of different or matchups i should say where whereas in the comics you get that kind of stuff yeah, all the yeah. time it was a rare pleasure to see it pulled off in a film and i really can't think of another film that has had that many players in a fight scene where they keep the momentum going, where you're either getting dazed or shaking off getting punched or going to someone's aid or kicking someone's ass, but it, you felt like everybody was having uh, uh, like a story within that battle, you know? Yeah. A little And a little bit of a, a, there's a little bit of a desire not to kill the other guys, which I thought was kind of poignant. Again, in, you know, Batman versus Superman, you have the darkness of these characters who seem like they really might kill each other. In this, it's almost a plot point that these characters are trying not to kill each other. There's a lot of, sorry about that, kind of, yeah. <laughs> in, in the fight. Uh, but there's still a, a real sense that this has to happen, this moment that's happening. It's like, you know, that moment that's in all the trailers where they charge at each other. The movie does such a careful job of setting up that moment that when it happens, I was like jumping out of my seat. I couldn't oh, yeah. believe it. I couldn't believe how good it was at that yeah. point. I was so over the moon about <laughs> it. <laughs> it's it's interesting, like, you know, just talking about like the darkness, like keeping, you know, our comparisons to like the DC or well, at least the Batman versus Superman. Like I feel like even though this movie is not dark, you know, in, in the in the visual style or even as as tonally dark as, as Batman versus Superman, I mean what you're talking about, are, they're, they're talking about a lot of dark stuff in this movie, though, and it's handled in a way that it, it doesn't affect your enjoyment of the film and or, you know, the interest in the film at all. Like, I feel like even though it's kind of, you know, there's a lot more humor in the movie, it's brighter, it's 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 got, I guess, more of a, I guess, like a popcorn, you know, big summer vibe to it than the Batman vs. Superman did, like, it's still, like, because, you know, as the guy who's not, like, I always preface this comment, but, like, but not the comic guy, I don't know it, the insides and outs of the Civil War storyline, just the bullet points, but, like, even getting to this point in the phases that Marvel has gone through over the past eight years, it, it it's the darkest point of it all, you know what I mean? And the fact that, you know, they do turn, there, there's these people turned against one another that, that it doesn't have to get to the point where they really... They, 
are trying to kill one another, like you said, John, like you still get a sense of there's a sense of almost dread of like what could happen because of how strong the conflict is and could continue to grow to be. So, you know, as I was watching it escalate and even when it kind of comes back down, you know, in the last kind of big fight sequence, you know, down to two or three people, you really kind of get to the gut and the, you know, the core of the conflict and you see it's still, in my opinion, at least it's still like one of the darkest of any of the, of the Marvel films. But it, but it just shows that it can be both things without having to put everything in one basket. Like it still can be, you know, a Marvel comic superhero film without being like super drad and like super depressing and super dark. I don't know. I just feel like they, I I don't really, I I can't even put my finger on or, or explain how impressed I am with like how much these guys, these Russo brothers like accomplished, um, in this film, I mean, like the way they've introduced new characters and set up the core of the next phase of these Marvel films, and I mean, I I, I challenge anybody to walk out of a, seeing this film and not be through the roof excited about seeing the Black Panther film and the the new Spider-Man. Yeah. Film. Like what what they do with those characters in 20 minutes, maybe of screen time each max. They, I mean, they've pre-sold those movies. I mean, they are so great on the screen in this Captain America film that, and it did not hurt this Captain America film. That's the key. Like, it didn't feel like Avengers: Age of Ultron felt to me, where things were being placed to kind of set up the tracks for the rest of these phases. Like, this film accomplished the same thing in so many ways, but did so in such a slight way that, like, it never once felt heavy-handed to me. And that is amazing, and I, I I just am so impressed by how freaking much I love this movie. I saw where the screenwriters were were talking about how they wanted to add in the new characters organically. Yes, yes. And what you were saying, Steve, about the kind of tonal shifting that the movie does, I was thinking the same thing. I was so impressed that it was a it was kind of the downbeat chapter of the of the story. You know, like this feels like when things are starting to fracture. You know, um, and the the relationships that are that are that are under a lot of pressure are starting to crack and people are, are, are splitting up over these ideological differences. We know they've always had, but we also yeah. know that they're still on the side of goodness and that there's, they, they don't hate each other and that it's really painful to see when it actually does become essentially like a fight to the death. What motivates that is really close to the heart. But, um, I was impressed that they were able to take it to that dark place, like you said, but still in the movie in such a way that I walked out feeling like, like you said, it, I mean, this was a satisfying, movie that had an ending that was kind of a downbeat moment but it also felt like the ending of a story that sets up a possible future oh yeah that it's interesting it's interesting to think about but it's like it also feels complete at the end of that movie you, i feel like you have enough information to kind of imagine what the next phase is so i feel like it had that feeling um our friend bob rose said that the marvel movies are like television it's it's an ongoing story not like a great standalone right. movie and he was saying that Guardians of the Galaxy is still his favorite because it's a standalone and it has its self-contained, you know, nature to it. Sure. And I see what he's saying, but I love the fact that uh, Civil War feels like if this is a TV show, this is like the best season finale I've ever seen. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Marvel Disney is doing something super interesting, and I guess maybe this helps me with the whole idea of what Doctor Strange is going to become, but. Disney's taken on these these 
properties within the Marvel Universe that we don't know anything about um, as a casual comic book reader. Like, say if, I mean, I, I read a ton of comics, but I've never read any Black Panther stuff, right? Um, leaning into the idea of making this just as interesting of a character as Tony Stark or Captain America or Ant-Man and really putting in the energy and the time to kind of flesh out this character and establishing who he is. Then with Spider-Man, I, I, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but best on-screen version of Spider-Man I've ever seen in my life. I don't know how you feel about it. I think he is. Not only do I agree with that, it's like I felt it the second he was on screen. I was like, oh, man, this is perfect. He, the, the take on the Spider-Man is so modern in a way. Like, it, it's, and it's not really disrespectful to any version that existed before it. It's just a different take on it. And I, I'm liking where it's going. The, introducing two big characters seems like it would be a really hard thing to do. Two new movies. Um, characters in this marvel disney world but it it's working it worked and i'm fucking i'm like i was ecstatic after we watched that movie especially with spider-man because spider-man is i feel like we didn't really get a good version of him last time around although andrew garfield was a good spider-man the movie sucked ass and this version feels like something like the version that we've always wanted to see a kind of wisecracking guy that is innocent still has some innocence to him still and and but strong as hell and smart and witty it, it's just something about seeing that on screen done well who did you come away just going hell yeah about the most black panther i think it's really cool that he's he's a king and a superhero at the same time but then he also also the idea that like tony stark is a leader as well as captain america and they allowed Black Panther to kind of establish who he was, what he was to the situation in a, in a way that didn't feel like he was being bullying or it was like hitting you over the head with the idea was kind of this subtle integrity to him that I that I was very surprised that they conveyed in a two and a half hour movie with six or seven more characters that were just as I don't know, he wasn't quite as boisterous or crazy out there but it's it's really interesting how he established that character so in, in in a way that he did so good so good well i guess we've we've explained how we feel so at this point we're saying go see it we can now get into some kind of spoiler territory the story in the comics ends a little bit differently it ends with captain america being assassinated um, so that's, I guess, a spoiler for the comics and for the for you know the movie. Who, who assassinates him? I only know the broad strokes of this story too because I looked it up on Wikipedia or found it through sources. I was not reading comics when the Civil War storyline uh, came out, so I think Ronald might be the one who might be the most familiar with the comics on that. Who was it that actually pulled the trigger on? I don't. Uh, I don't remember. I, I I thought that I read somewhere or heard from somebody that um. Was it cross? Like I thought, Crossbones had something to do with it. Well, Crossbones was in the movie. He was the guy at the beginning. Oh yeah, no, no, I I know that. I'm just saying, I thought that in the comics he had a a role in Captain America. I think America. you may be right. I think in the comics it may, but I also know that Sharon Carter had some kind of role that like. Uh, oh really? You know, Agent Agent Thirteen or Sharon Carter or whatever, but but who was the yeah. sort of quasi love interest in this? I've heard that she had some kind of part in it, or that she, that she was acting under some kind of mind control or something, or was misled or. 
did something. Anyway, I, so I don't know for sure. But in the comic, you know, Captain America died. Um, and I was prepared for them to go there just because I could see them trying to get that kind of, well, the same way they did in Batman versus Superman. Um, uh, you know, the, the big, there's a big death at the end of that film that, that tries to uh, get you excited for what this next chapter is going to be. And so I kind of thought maybe Civil War was going to do the same thing. But when it got to the end, I, I kind of was glad that nobody, I was, I don't know, I was kind of glad that nobody died, especially I was glad that none of the secondary characters died because I didn't want them to kill, you know, Scarlet Witch or Falcon or, or War Machine just to, just to get the, the stakes up. If someone had died, I would have wanted it to be Bucky, Steve, or Tony. But in the end, I was glad that they didn't, that they didn't have to do that because you know they would have to walk it back soon. They would bring them back, and I just don't want them to do that. I don't want them to cheapen whatever ultimate deaths we're going right. to get in these movies. I want it to be for real, you know, and I don't want them to set up that comic book idea that death is is just a, a you know a plot twist away from being reversed. But what did you guys think? Did you did you want did you want to see more consequences or more of a change or more of an outcome? I kind of I kind of went into it thinking that I did to be honest with you. I mean, just because I I think I I had a over kind of I don't know overarching understanding of like what the Civil War story was. Um, I don't know because we have these conversations sometimes about just like consequence and like the actual loss in some of these movies. Like, you know, I feel like even in the trailer, um, like with what is it with the uh, is it War Machine? Yeah. Like even that scene, it, it, it even even in the movie, it plays it to the point where you think, you know, at least I thought that he was dead, and you know he's not. You know, so I, I'm like torn on it to be honest with you. Like I feel like I I don't think that it it needs to happen in these movies, but it's like that kind of thing where like nobody dies. Like no one, there's never like a real consequence to their actions except for innocent people which is obviously the big criticism of this of this whole story but like i don't know i guess i guess like i don't know that i necessarily wanted to see captain america be killed in the film or anything like that but i just feel like seeing the loss i mean i know quicksilver died in the last one in in age of ultron but i don't know that wasn't really a character that i, I don't know like there was no connection really with that character for me but uh, so I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with that thought. Like a part of me, I feels like you know, I want to see that consequence. I want to see that like they're they these are superheroes, but they are not like indestructible, or they're not like you know completely, um, you know, free from you know from defeat or anything like that. Um, I guess especially like for some of the scope of the villains that come into play in different films or in future films, like. If anybody would ever destroy one of them, I mean, just the idea that it would be one of themselves that did it would just be such a crazy, like, mind fuck. I, I can see why they would want to keep the characters around to kind of die another day, right. <laughs> you know? Um, but I, I do agree. I mean, I, I'll admit, I was expecting somebody to croak in this film, and I was kind of wondering who it was going to be. I really thought, like, th- surely they're not going to kill uh, Don Cheadle before he gets to do something really interesting in one right. of these movies, you know? Yeah. And then they had given Falcon a lot in this movie. He had a lot of material, and I was thinking, uh-oh, does, is Anthony Mackie going to go? But but no, they, they kept everybody. I realize why I didn't remember how Captain America died, because he, di- he didn't die in the Civil War. He died after the Civil War. It was, like, right after it. Oh, okay. I was like, I, th- I, don't, I didn't remember it happening. I'm like, why don't I remember... Because it was like a, it was immediately after it happened, the Civil War ended, 
he he got killed. But yeah, I I, I get why they kept everybody alive. Um, sometimes I think that's the that's the softness of like the Disney thing. But I, I get it. Yeah. This is the company that let him kill Han Solo recently. That's true. So I, I don't think that they're afraid of making big changes. That's true. I was going to say there was like a point. I, I remember seeing Avengers with Ronald and like just there being a point. Like I think it was a scene like having to do with the Hulk where like everybody in the theater was just like on the edge of their seat. And I remember like sitting forward, like just feeling so excited during that scene. And I haven't really felt that in, in, in any of the Marvel movies that have come out since then. Like that, that like giddiness slash like super epic moment. And yeah. I, I like, I, and I last, when we saw the film, like there's a few moments in this movie that are like that, but I, I, I just need to say, and hopefully we can just, you know, you guys can add on to this. Like, the build towards the final fight between the Winter Soldier, Captain America, and Iron Man was so, like, ha- handled so well. And even, like, when the reveal happens about, you know, with, with the Winter Soldier killing, you know, Tony's parents, and then the fight that kind of happens after that, the scene where Bucky and and Captain America are like tossing the shield back and forth. Yeah, it's insane. And, and and Tony Stark is just like trying to hold his own against these two like super soldiers. I was like covered in goosebumps on the edge of my seat. Like I could not believe how amazing that like the choreography of that fight and like just watching the background of the scene, like those columns behind them, like how they play into the way the shot was framed and like it just blew my mind like i i, I was telling yeah. somebody at work today like i i literally was explaining it to a friend at work and like and was getting like goosebumps just describing the scene like you know and then bucky has his moment like fighting tony where he you know where he's like kind of you know ripping out the thing and he blows his arm off and and then you know cap has his moment like where like the, the the what 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 is it like the pulse is like kind of firing against the shield and he's just kind of holding it and it's like that wide yeah. shot of like one of the I remember looking up the comics and like there was a panel I remember seeing of like that shot of like you know Captain America on the left Iron Man on the right and like just the 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 the, the phaser hitting or the the pulse hitting the shield it feels like something out of like Greek mythology or something it really yeah. does it really does. You feel the pain and the hurt uh, when Tony yeah, yeah. finds out. Yeah. You know? and, and, and suddenly it changes things. It's like suddenly there's a switch. If anything, you, you spend the movie kind of siding with Captain America, and in the end, Iron Man kind of squeaks in there just a little bit as far as you going, oh, shit, I guess Tony's, like, he's a real man with feelings. You know, you sort of sympathize with him in that sense. And the fact that he feels betrayed by Steve is very palpable. That, I think this is the first time I've ever felt that about Iron Man in general. Um, they tried to do that kind of in the third Iron Man movie, kind of the aftermath of everything that happened in the first Avengers. Yeah. And I didn't feel that. And this is the first time, especially the fight, the, 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 the escalation of the conversation that they had was it was kind of I mean, you know, it's one thing that made the difference between Iron Man just kind of going ape shit and him being, you know, he was angry, obviously angry that his parents died. But the moment that he asked Steve if he knew, once he found out that he knew, his rate, it's just that little subtle stuff that had never really been shown in Iron Man's character. 
the, the, the idea that he, he he's always the cooler head in the, in in all of the situations. What's your feeling? I know we've talked about that kind of superhero fatigue or are these movies are we are we just getting tired of seeing kind of a similar movie over and over again? Do you feel like this movie sort of shook that up and left you with a feeling that that they have kind of changed the tone and they've even though no one died, do you think they showed that they are willing to take the arc of these characters into a different place that could potentially get you know more intense, more even more intense from here, or or do you think this was a kind of pinnacle, a kind of a kind of culmination that it's hard for them to to top unless we're talking about th- you know five or six films down the road where they build up to something else? Um, I don't know. It's tough. Like I I I know we've said it before, and I I do feel like there's an inevitability of like feeling that that superhero fatigue. But like we talked about recently on one of the episodes, like. You know, I think it's just a ra- it's a matter of like you just need to get over it. I mean, they're not going to stop making these movies, and I mean the the challenge to them, you know, like people can demand better product by like you know if if one movie doesn't do better than the other or or whatever it might be, you know, they're not going to just stop making them. But they maybe you know like Marvel specifically has never stopped bringing in like top notch quality screenwriters, directors, and it's and it's really it's really improved with every product that they've put out, you know, even movie like, you know, like Ant-Man, you know, I know that's you, you, you're a big fan of that, John. And I actually ended up liking that movie way more than I thought I would like the talent that they bring into these films. Like they are aware that literally for the next like three years, that there's like one coming out every six months. So like the challenges for them to make these films interesting, to escalate these films, to make them fresh, to make them feel new in some way shape or form and you know i think that it's like you almost get like a reset with a movie like civil war where you're just like fuck yes like all of this makes so much sense like that's why these are all coming out that's why i may be a little tired of some things or seeing certain characters all over the place but there's new things now and like you know and that's why they have these phases laid out the way they do I think the idea of introducing new characters and seeing how they play in this in this world and seeing the characters that we're, we're familiar with and that we already love, it's it's a good point to be at. I think like even if you do feel tired, like 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 I like I do at times, it doesn't mean that you can't go in and see one of them and feel you know something big. Like you know like Guardians was one that came at a time where I was like, yeah, I'm kind of like I don't know about these movies. I'm kind of burned out a little bit, and it's like wow, like Guardians is one of my probably one or two in terms of my favorite Marvel movies, you know, I don't know between probably this and guardians, but I just think that it's not going to stop. And, you know, and that's not a bad thing. Like these movies are here to stay. It's a, it's, they become the foundation of what the summer box office is. Even the holiday box offices are based off of now. So everybody can really benefit from movies like this. Like they're enjoyable, they're entertaining, they're fun, they're big, they're loud, they're 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 emotional at times. They're you know dark at times, and it's a movie that really can run the whole gamut. And like Ronald mentioned at the top of the show, it's a really a movie that could appeal to you know three different types of moviegoers. You know, so like why not keep making these movies? Just you know, if you're Marvel or Disney, or even if you're talking Warner Brothers for DC's world. Like you have to make you have to make them engaging. You have to make them different. You cannot just do the same thing. And really, for the most part, I don't know that Marvel has done that. I mean, I think they've done a pretty good job with all their films. I think that some of like the first phase of the characters maybe are getting a little burnt out, which is why it's so exciting that they introduced, 
you know, Black Panther and the, you know, they had the trailer for Doctor Strange. And, you know, even though Spider-Man is not new, he's new to this world. And I just think that, like, you know, I don't know. I kind of view it as, like, a reset almost. Like, you know, this is why I love this shit. And I'm ready for, like, the next ones that they put out at this point because of a movie like this. Well, you remember one of the things we liked about Deadpool was that Deadpool needs a little help. And he goes across town and he knocks on the door at the (laughs) X-Mansion. And he gets an X-Man. I felt like this was a little bit like that world. I think it's pretty interesting. Again, I I keep going back to this. But the things that Disney have done with lesser-known characters, which, so I think that the the universe is going to be extended and kind of revived for a couple reasons. The idea that there's all these uh, rumors and some confirmations of some of the characters that they're in talks with that have nothing to do with Marvel Studios right now that could later become part of the world, like the Fantastic Four, possibly some of the X-Men people, down the line um it's it what it means is as soon as you get tired of the set of characters that you're tired of which we were there'll be some new ones and then there'll be some new ones and there'll be some new ones out again i only get fatigued i think i only get tired when i see mediocre versions of things and seeing good it's, it's like horror I, I i like good horror i hate shitty horror if i if i got a good horror film i'd watch a ton of them and that's kind of the thing about comic book movies. And I think that they have the same stakes. I think you expect a certain emotional reaction the same way that you do with horror. So it's it's kind of up in the air the way that the way that it's delivered. It's a very hard task to deliver a good comic book movie. And I think that Disney understands that. So because of that, they kind of understand the stakes of what fans want, they do some service to the fans, but they also change some things to extend the world, which really makes it very, like, almost like we know this better than you know it. Almost like you you can like these characters. You could have grown up with these characters, but trust us, we'll make this work. And I've and, and it's the only company that I trust with it right now. I mean, maybe Fox for the Deadpool thing that happened, but that's like one once in a blue moon and Marvel has proven that, 90% of the movies that they make right now are are gold in a lot of ways. So I trust them. Yeah, man. I can't wait to see it again. But yeah, obviously this is a go ahead. Go ahead this weekend and see this movie if you weren't already planning to. It's a, it's a must-see for sure. Yeah, do what I'm going to do. Mix it in with the Maryland Film Festival if you're here in Baltimore. Well, cool, guys. As always, MovieSchmovie.com is where we're at. If you want to hit up the site for any of the past episodes, you can also find us on iTunes, uh, where you can rate, subscribe, give us some feedback. And as we recently announced, uh, the podcast is also on Google Play. Um, And so take your pick, whichever you prefer to do. If you want to download us, stream it, whatever you want to do, we're there uh, for whatever you prefer. And I think that's it. Ronald, did you want to end this episode with with what you wanted to end the episode before with? I was going to say, as always, and then you were going to say something else that you were supposed to say last time. Uh, I don't remember. Am I the only one that remembers it? I remember it. Oh, damn Skippy. (laughs) (laughs) I totally (laughs) forgot about that, man. Just like you did last time until after we were done recording. (laughs) Damn Skippy. Well, there's that. So that's good stuff. (laughs) Movie Schmovie will return. I like that. There you go. Nice little stinger there.
I agree. Well, I'm sorry. We gonna say something, Steve? No, no. Go ahead. I was just, I was just agreeing, just like you agreed. So oh, we okay. all agree. Yeah, I, I was gonna say. Uh, <laughs>